Hello, this is Josh. We're going to continue with our study, our reading, and our practice of a sunlit absence by Father Martin Laird. Looking at chapter one, this is a chapter that connects what he had offered in his first book, Into the Silent Land. It's a summary, really, of that first book. In the introduction, we had considered that awareness is a key to understanding ourselves. Father Laird is writing about the prayer of contemplation. These books can seem rigorous and difficult, uh, abstract at times. I have been in an email conversation with Father Laird, in fact, inviting him to present on the Invitation podcast. My initial proposal to him was to come on the podcast to help make contemplation more attractive to the listeners of the podcast. He wrote back and said that he balked at that word, attractive, that we can't make this kind of prayer a consumerist good, he said, something that is bright and shiny. It's only the spirit that awakens the deeper parts of ourselves. So attractive might be the wrong word. I'd like to turn instead to making contemplation approachable. And one way to do that is to say that while you might not be called to contemplation in its deepest sense, you might still be able to understand by spending some time in this book and with the vocabulary of contemplation and realize that much of your life can become contemplative. I prefer to think about our Christian life We might not be mystics, but our life can still be mystical. We might not be contemplatives, but much of our prayer can become contemplative as an adjective that describes more and more of what we do as we grow towards the depths that Father Laird is describing for us. Chapter 1 Contemplation is the soul's Copernican revolution. Copernicus did not invent a heliocentric universe. He simply discovered what had always been the case. The sun never did revolve around the earth. The revolution was the integrating glimpse of the truth of things that marked a change in how we see the world. To realize that we do not search for God the way we search for fame, 
fortune and fulfillment or for anything else that we are convinced we lack, that this is the pearl of great price, Matthew 13, 45 and 46. The realization that the kingdom of God is within you, Luke 17, 21. It signals the beginning of this spiritual revolution. So again, while contemplation might not be what you're called to in your prayer life right now, I believe it's good for us to understand that this is a possibility in our prayer life. This Copernican revolution is that move from realizing that prayer is not so much about getting God's attention as much as prayer is about God being able to get my attention. It's not that we can't ask God for specific things in prayers of petition and supplication. It's that making a prayer list is only a small part of the larger scope, the vast movement of prayer into God's presence. Before we go farther, let's sit and rest in quiet, opening ourselves to the deeper movements of God. We open our minds to his truth. We open our hearts, our deeper selves, to his love and his presence. We trust that there is goodness here as we say no to distractions. We say yes to entertaining, to communing with the God who created us. As Father Laird will teach us here, this is about breath, about attention, stillness, Identify those thoughts that are racing inside your mind and dismiss them. Don't try to fight against those thoughts. Just dismiss them. Think about the tension in your neck or in your back. Attempt to relax your whole body. Our interest here is in a receptive posture, an openness. So again, chapter one is a summary in many ways of the first book, Into the Silent Land. I find that book to be the most approachable 
yet also relatively scholarly and still practical. Here in this chapter, it is a cover of what contemplation is, where it fits in the Christian tradition, how to practice it from different angles. The important thing to understand here in this second book, he says on page 11, is that contemplation is not a technique, but a skill. It harnesses the winds of grace that let us out into the liberating sea of silence. To navigate this ancient way of prayer is to put out into the deep and to let down our nets for a catch. Luke 5, 4. Paradoxically, we discover that it is we ourselves who are caught and held in this net, an ocean depth of moment. We realize to our great delight that the knotted netting of our anguished sense of separation from God is already immersed in these waters where we are cleansed and freshened by its salt. Ezekiel 16, 4 and 2 Kings 2, 19 to 21. Indeed, seasoned with salt, as St. Augustine puts it. He continues on page 12. The more we practice, the more our practice develops. It is something like baking bread. Before the dough even gets into the oven, the baker turns the dough out on the table for kneading. At first, the dough is stiff and awkward, but after kneading, it becomes responsive and lighter. After being kneaded, left to rest and rise, the dough takes on a new texture before being placed in the oven. What finally emerges is very different from what went in. And so, with the practice of contemplation, at first our practice seems stiff and awkward, but after sufficient time and dedication, it takes on a different character. I find that much of the awkwardness is the fact that we don't like being beginners. And much of contemplation and rest, like as I opened and resting your body, thinking about where the tension is or the racing thoughts. This is an awkwardness because we don't like starting over. In our prayers of supplication and petition, when we have our prayer lists, Prayer is in our control. Asking again and again for specific things puts us in the driver's seat. In contemplation, we begin by learning how to be children, by learning how to rest and open ourselves. On pages 12 and 13, Father Laird considers the Christian roots of the prayer of contemplation he ties its history back to the desert dwellers, the Abbas and the Amas, the fathers and the mothers of the desert from the 3rd and 4th century specifically, went out into the desert in search of a stillness in the model of Jesus when he went to the desert to fight the devil. Father Laird writes, Jesus' own battle with thoughts becomes then the Christian foundation of the practice of contemplation the quiet repetition of a scriptural phrase in order to keep the attention focused. 
This became a common practice among the desert fathers and mothers who memorized passages of scriptures, sometimes lengthy passages, in order to break free of this snare of thoughts. On page 14, he considers the history in the Jesus Prayer from the Eastern Orthodox tradition, and then turns towards St. John of the Cross. He says, St. John of the Cross does not appear to focus on the use of a prayer word to concentrate the mind, like the Jesus Prayer did, but instead on the cultivation of awareness. We can recall here from the introduction when he said, somehow, awareness is the key to understanding ourselves. If I'm aware of my thoughts and my emotions, I can better posture them in a surrender towards the presence and the love of God. Laird observes John's words. Again, the interest is the cultivation of an awareness. Quote, preserve a loving attentiveness to God with no desire to feel or to understand any particular thing concerning him, end quote. So the challenge here is that we're not just moving beyond our prayer lists of asking God for specific things, but we're also moving beyond any need to discover something specific in our thoughts and also in our emotions. For those of us who have spent time with the Enneagram, the gift of mapping our gut areas, eight, nine, and one, our emotions, intelligence centers, two, three, and four, and our minds, our five, six, and seven, is to know not that those are the end, that those are the complete destination, but that we identify that we come to prayer with our own respective needs that are already predetermined by our, our personal design so if I'm a mind person, I will think of prayer in terms of mind. If I'm a heart person, I will think of prayer in terms of getting and experiencing emotions. If I am a gut person, I will be thinking about my power, my ability to get things done on the earth. And here in contemplation, the interesting thing about the Enneagram is that it does not map the soul or the deepest self beyond those three intelligence centers. What Father Laird was struggling in the email exchange that I've had with him is that contemplation is, in the words of Thomas Merton, a pathless path. In contemplation, we move beyond what is seen and revealed, tasted and touched, that is, cataphatic spirituality, and we move into the hidden and the unseen, which is described by theologians as apophatic theology. What I'll do here is offer chapter one in two different sections. So just to finish this first section of chapter one, let's introduce a bit of not the technique of contemplation, but the skill, the practice of how to do this. Again, I believe that Father Laird is making the distinction between technique and skill because a skill is able to open us to the surrender, 
the cooperation with the Holy Spirit. I think the vocabulary of technique tends to place the emphasis on my power. My power as if prayer could be a practice of precision. On page 15, we turn to Evagrius, one of the desert fathers, who says, quote, Let us sit still and keep our attention fixed within ourselves, says Evagrius. Simone Weil of the 20th century describes prayer in much the same spirit when she says, quote, prayer consists of attention and the quality of the attention counts for much in the quality of the prayer, end quote. The practice of contemplation begins with our attention and our bodies. The basics are simple. We sit down and assume a solid, erect posture. St. Gregory of Sinai recommends sitting on a seat about nine inches high. Nowadays, we call this a prayer bench, which we place over our calves and sit on with the back straight but not rigid. The bench is angled to facilitate the back's natural S-curve and encourages a sturdy, alert posture. These prayer benches are fairly popular, quite Googleable, and not especially inexpensive. Still, others prefer a prayer cushion, but most prefer to sit in a chair. In any case, the body's solid, stable posture contributes to prayer by its stable, alert tripod solidity. The body's physical stillness facilitates inner stillness, alertness, and calm. Quietly repeat the prayer word united with the breath. If the prayer word is of more than one syllable or word, such as Jesus, Abba, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me. That was the Jesus prayer. We inhale on the first syllable or group of words and exhale on the second syllable or group of words. During the time of prayer, Normally, for periods of at least 20 to 25 minutes twice a day, we give our attention entirely to this quiet repetition. Whenever we become aware that we've become distracted, we bring our attention back to the prayer word united to the breath, quote, continually breathing Jesus Christ, end quote. So let's attempt just a bit of this right now. This is the same discipline that we begin with when I invite you to center, to quiet, to rest. Father Laird is giving us some vocabulary to be even more intentional. It's not that we strive anymore. It's that we understand the possibilities of what our attention can be directed toward of how our attention can be focused, disciplined. Let's just choose the sacred name of Jesus. I invite you to say within your soul the name of Jesus as you breathe out. <laughs> 
And then Jesus, again as you breathe in. Attempt to join your breath with your inner awareness, with your inner attention, with your focus. As you breathe out, Jesus. As you breathe in, Jesus. As you continue to breathe out Jesus and breathe in Jesus, you're joining your intention with your breath and allowing yourself to sink deeper beyond your thoughts and beyond your emotions. Through your body, you become anchored, centered, We are entertaining the presence of our God who welcomes us to abide in Him. Amen. Again, I invite your questions, your comments. You can email me. It's josh at invitationpodcast.org. You can also find me on most social media sites. Contemplation is not for everyone. As a matter of fact, it can become, in some ways, a relatively lonely path. It's lonely when much of our culture and even our church communities want to remain on the surface distracted by all of our consumerist habits and entertainment. Nevertheless, in this time of quarantine, some are aching to return back to normal. And if we return back to normal, we're returning to something that wasn't working. And if we try to make things like they were three months ago, six months ago, and we're ignoring this costly lesson of all of this pandemic and this suffering. I hope and I pray this vocabulary of contemplation could become part of a watershed, a turning point, that Copernican revolution for you during this time. Until next time. Amen.